Well, hello, welcome to Sound Engagement, a podcast devoted to engaging with our culture and community from a Christian worldview. I'm Brad Mills. I'm Peter Anderson. <laughs> you, I was going to steal an awkward thing, isn't it? <laughs> I, I'm always waiting for your laugh after I say my name. I know. You're just like, I you know. start just, giggling afterward. I'm like, what? I'm, I'm you on, got a problem with my name. It just, <laughs> I'm still, it just is, there's always a delay. Sure, I don't know if the delay is from the it's from the technology or the no. delay is just yeah. you No, it, it might be me. Yeah. It might be me. I, <laughs> I have a story and one of my good friends, Amanda, who by the way, is a listener of our podcast. Hi, Amanda. So oh, Amanda, hi, Amanda. yeah, Amanda. And I used to um, call her and her friend. I was really good friends with her and I did cause I dated her roommate and, um, and I used to call their house back when there was answering machines. And I would say, hi, this is, this is Peter. <laughs> I would take a spent, you know, Anderson. And then I don't know why they just like laughed hysterically <laughs> whenever I would do that. So maybe I don't, well, not that I'm, I'll try to make it. I think you're, <laughs> yeah, I've, I look at you expecting a quick response and you kind of delay for I a know, second. I'm always, right. I'm always thinking, I don't know if that's the technology. Or now what. that it's like our signature, funny. I'm just, I don't, I, I don't want to change. Yeah, it. you got it. So you cannot change it change at this it. point. No. I mean, you will ruin our, like our base, our few base of fans. I know. Three bands are expects. There might be 30 now. I don't know. There might be more. I heard there's more. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's been interesting. I, you know, I think of the three podcasts we've recorded so far. Um, Hmm. yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the second one, the book review has gotten the most attention, although it's still pretty small, you know, but I mean, I think uh, I, I kind of thought more people would be interested in the, defund the police topic mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but that one's got it's got some slow traction it's 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 getting to the normal numbers but it's just getting there slowly the book review got high it kind of got attention early and then has has been somewhat steady and yeah. then i think people are going back and listening to our first episode if they hear about us after you know yeah. the third or something yeah, so that one gets some traction but I thought I thought we would just do it more more of like a free for all and mm-hmm. just have a conversation. I think some people are still trying to get to know us. Yeah. Definitely, you have friends listening to it mm-hmm. um, who know you but don't know me. I have friends that don't know you, so it's kind of I think part of what we need to do still is to let people know more about ourselves before we jump too much into interviewing others. We do have one interview coming up that will be available um soon and then and then this this will be this actually probably be after our episode on carmen will be uploaded yeah i'm excited about um our listeners listening yeah i thought that was a great yeah it was in it was it was a fun episode to record Mm -hmm. um so how's it been it's been um you know i think uh, uh, as i've talked to various friends about just the culture right now. I don't know that anyone hmm. is comes back with this. We're doing wonderful. You know, this has just been such a, a great season hmm. <laughs> in our lives. I mean, it's almost hmm. always struggles and challenges yeah. that we're facing. Yeah. 
I just got a text from Carl Rove. So, um, I, I mean, oh, wow. yeah. so anyway, he's asking for money. Can, so. Hey, four minutes, we can cut this one short. <laughs> anyway, That's fine. Right. You got to get to that. I did. I just got to, this is Carl Rove. I'm like, how the hell did you get my neck? Yeah. How'd you get my number? Um, yeah, no, go ahead and elaborate on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you well, haven't really talked to I anybody. Just, yeah. That, no, I mean, my, my, so, you know, I mean, I talk to people in the church, but then I also have friends that are in ministry that I've had to kind of bounce ideas off of and experiences because we're going through tension, especially yeah. surrounding COVID. And we haven't really talked about that on the, on the podcast, but right. there are political opinions, there's medical opinions, there's um, just anecdotal opinion, you know, people have personal experiences with COVID or dear, you know, friends who have, have, um, have contracted the virus and struggled to, to survive. And, and so that obviously clouds our understanding of the, of the data. At least it, it makes some people a lot more cautious yeah. than others. Right. And I find myself a little bit in between the extremes which is mm. where I think we find ourselves a lot of times on these issues. Like we don't fit in with the uh, deniers or mm. the pandemic crowd. I mean, uh, you can, you can differ with me if you want on oh, <laughs> yeah, speak for no, yourself, but yeah, right. the pandemic, the idea that this was all some big scheme that started right. with Obama and, you know, has led to like the in implementation of 5g cell towers to spread the virus and, you know, knock mm. off it. It's, it's just, a, it gets really absurd. Um, yeah. But yeah. at the same time, the, there is a huge agenda to take advantage of the crisis, mm. right? And to, mm -hmm. to use it for political gain. Um, and so, it, I, you know, in our, our church, we, we just find, I think there's more people willing to remove all mitigation efforts, you know, uh, no one wants to wear, like people, people aren't really interested in, in mass and people aren't as interested in, um, social mm. distancing efforts and, uh, mm. and so struggling through that explaining, I think they're willing to, in the sense that, you know, if that's like the way we're going to gather it, then they'll do it. But there's this, this, uh, desire yeah. to just, to just go back to normal. And even though you're going to have to wear a mask into a store, you're going to have to wear a mask into a, a restaurant you know, until you start eating. <laughs> um, or you're going to have to wear it, in in some kind of public facility going to the library going to a bank wherever you're you're required to wear it there but at church people don't want to wear it hmm. and, and i kind of think that's an, an unhealthy expectation we should probably be willing to accommodate um yeah, yeah. you know as much as we can right why i mean what what are you hearing why what why do you think there's some pushback um well i think yeah, I think most people feel like the like the numbers are untrustworthy. Uh, the governor's untrustworthy. So in California, you know, Governor Newsom, he's mm -hmm. definitely one of the least trustworthy, in my opinion, of yeah. the governors in the mm -hmm. in the nation. Um, he has repeatedly in his in his own political career gone against mm -hmm. authorities, you know, and and done his own thing, and so it's it's almost like he's mm. he's uh he should expect some pushback from 
from people here, from citizens here. Although most most people in this state are in line, you know, mm. with what he's requiring. So that becomes the challenge. But in the Central Valley where I am, mm -hmm. uh, it is it tends to be more conservative, and tends to have a negative view of of Newsom. Mm. So you know, we'll we'll have the conservative mayors um, who will do what they have to do to get state funds but they'll do what they can to, you know, to show that they're still conservative in doing so, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, yeah. I mean, there's, they know their audience, they know the people that voted them in, but in California, you're just kind of, you're at the mercy at some, in some ways to mm. what the governor's doing. Yeah. So there's, so I think I, I want to be, I, I recognize in myself a tendency to just jump to like distrust our mm -hmm. governing authorities here to mm -hmm. assume that they're up to no good. And so you look at the numbers for COVID and you say, well, how much of that is, could have been helped had the governor made wiser decisions, <laughs> you know, had they not used nursing homes. Um, now they didn't, California did a better job than New York on that. Cuomo mm -hmm. sent okay. all of the, a lot of those early, yeah. um, uh, individuals to nursing homes and they mm. and they did not do well and they spread fast and furious and did a number on 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 those nursing homes and that's been consistent really throughout the nation but i think california had it a little bit delayed and so mm -hmm. um you know there was some time to to get a plan together early enough but all that to say i think just in general right my my principle is i want to honor the lord first and if the lord if the governor's telling us to do something that is out of accord with scripture then we should have no you know hesitation to defy that and to honor god mm. first yeah uh but if he requires something or he he orders something that is uh maybe uncomfortable or inconvenient but not not but not a violation of scripture then i think we should do everything we can to honor that because it is consistent with scripture romans 13 um you know and like first peter 3 i think it is in titus 2 or there's there's references in each one of those um epistles to honor the governor and honor all of your authorities right from the highest to the lowest and and so our our default as Christians should be to honor them. And then where they overstep their boundary and, and ask you to dishonor the Lord, you know, or to go, you know, go against him in some way, then obviously you, you honor the Lord first. So mm. I'll, have there been, ex I think there's been examples of the governor overstepping, mm -hmm. right. And telling us we can't sing. That's one example. I, I, that's element of worship is mm -hmm. to sing. So I, I, we never stopped singing as, as a church, um, hmm. and and we'll continue to sing when he if he says that again later on. But then he, uh, you know, he's also said keep your numbers at twenty five percent capacity. We've honored that. Mm -hmm. uh, but other places, our larger gatherings like MacArthur's church, you know, has a larger gathering, and uh, they've got anywhere from four to 6,000 people that come and attend their church or 7,000. I don't even know the, the ultimate number, but they've got about four to 5,000 coming now mm -hmm. to their, their services, 3,000 indoors, a thousand outdoors. And 
um, and they're obviously defying the governor by meeting indoors right now. But but the requirement currently in the in the state is is that you have to meet outdoors. Hmm. Prior to that, you could meet indoors at twenty five percent capacity or one hundred people, whichever was lower. So if twenty five percent capacity meant you could have a thousand people in your church, hmm. well, you had to drop it to a hundred. And so it's really, really um, unfair to large churches. Small churches like ours could survive those guidelines, but big churches were struggling to even figure out how they could gather under those circumstances. Mm. And so I can understand churches gathering and, and defying at that point, but now he said, go outside. And so most churches, even big churches can be creative and set up a big tent and, and set up chairs outdoors and you can honor that. And, and so if our default is to honor the governor, unless he tells us to violate scripture, we should do everything we can to move our, our, our service outdoors, especially considering the fact that that's only the case when you're in an area where the, where the numbers are high, where you've got a high number of cases, a high number of deaths and an increasing like that they're going up, you know, mm. and, and also have a high number of hospitalizations. Yeah. So he's got like five categories that he's looking to, to a, every county has a goal to meet. When you've met all of those five goals, he takes you off of the monitoring list and then you can, then you can begin gathering again indoors mm-hmm. with mitigation efforts. Like you can gather indoors, but you're going to have to keep a mask on and things like that. So a lot of counties are in that category still, so they can meet indoors. Not a lot, but you know, like 20% of California is that are, are in counties that can still meet indoors. So to me, that means they're not, he's not just targeting churches in general. He's, he's, it's any gathering of any kind, even a protest, right? They're not allowed to gather indoors. They can do it, but they have yeah. to be outdoors. Hmm. So I, I, I know I ran through that really quick because it's, I have been talking about this for months, but um, I mean, does that make sense to you? Kind of my, my position on that. So yeah, we've, yeah. We yeah. moved outside when he asked us to. And we're yeah. Right. Mm. But obviously, as as I was explaining earlier on, like our congregation is 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 a little bit more anxious to get back inside. You know, mm-hmm. and it was we hit a record high uh, in heat this past Sunday. It was 112 degrees outdoors. Oh, oh my gosh! Now we met earlier, so it was only. It only got into the 90s, low 90s, but still sitting oh. outside in shade without really good good breeze. Yeah. You know, thankfully we don't have humidity like like it was in the south, but still it was a. Uh, so this I think was the worst case scenario as far as being outside. Um, if the weather starts to turn and it gets you know it's raining on us, um, I think. I think we'll be in a situation where the governor needs to accommodate that and give us an option to go indoors um, mm-hmm. to to deal with this. And so my hope and prayer is that, that things will open up more, allow us to get indoors um, because I want to honor him. But if it gets to a situation where we just can't gather or we can't do it safely, then we will go back inside. Mm-hmm. So that's where, that's where I am. But definitely I get pushback weekly for my views and um, yeah it, it's draining and it leads to tension within the church tension among friendships tension within family 
What's I've the pushback? Had... Are they wanting you to go inside to quote obey the Lord? Is that their view or trust? Just trust Jesus, or I mean, yeah, I don't want to make it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think you're right. I, it is a bit of you're you're listening to a lie. You're mm. you're honoring the governor who is lying to us and and manipulating us. Mm. And so go inside uh, because it's very uncomfortable outside. <laughs> and I can understand yeah. that. I can I, I can sympathize with are, that. Well, those are two different objections. Yeah. I mean, I could, it's like kind of yeah. like the mask debate. I mean, I hate wearing masks. I get depressed so when I wear a mask and I, so I have um, worn masks outside and um, I immediately feel depressed um, because there are mirror neurons inside my brain that have empathy <laughs> and I can't see half of your face and it's awful. And I breathe through this terrible thing and I want to get out as soon as possible. I, hmm. there's nowhere I want to go that, where I want to wear it for very long. Sure. I'm in a store. I want to get out as soon as possible. So I understand the uncomfortableness of it, but that's a very different argument from whether or not it's wrong. You know, it's like, exactly. yeah, I mean, so that's a, I sympathize with the, with the uncomfortableness of the mask and the heat and whatnot, but you know, that's a different, yeah. I guess yeah, you're having a different that's, argument. That's kind of precisely where I am. And I, and, mm. and I do think that the numbers, although Na nationally, nationwide, I might not, I know they're somewhat untrustworthy. There's still the local numbers have always been low until the last, the last like six weeks. So they've gone up and there's no reason to believe that they just decided all of a sudden to start manipulating the numbers. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, in, in all likelihood, they kept you know, they've just been giving us a very honest picture of the hospitalizations and deaths mm -hmm. and cases, and and they actually are increasing to a point that it is a risk. And so let's do what we can to mitigate that risk as Christians who love our neighbors, right? Who mm -hmm. who love who, who want to promote life. We we shouldn't be negligent. Um, yeah, I always felt like there's a there's an element of evangelicalism, American evangelicalism that has a that has an uncomfortable spirituality to it. That's not really rooted mm -hmm. in you know, um, I guess like the science and um, gets uncomfortable with science, gets uncomfortable with, and that goes all the way back you know to the um, early 19th or 20th century to the presuppositional and um, dispensational views um in the early 20th century where christians um got it they basically became retreatists uh is looking mm -hmm. at becoming a is looking at uh, boston college to study study this this is why i know a little bit about this but um there's a shift that happened in the late uh 1900s where christians were influenced in significant amount of american culture uh do you think all the way from jonathan edwards princeton yale they kind of owned those universities but then there was a uh, right around uh, the early 1900s, uh, 20th century, B.B. Warfield, um, a lot of Christians w went on exodus. And uh, that's really where dispensationalism um, th thrived. But that was the kind of the Armenian viewpoint. And then the uh, presuppositionalism was the reformed viewpoint. Now, the, the one thing they actually have in common is they, they actually, and this is John Frame's even argument, is that they actually have a undisciplined view of the image of God in the sense that there's no common ground. And so since then, Christians have been significantly much less influential in culture. 
So we have Christian music, we have Christian books, we have Christian literature, and that's been going on basically since then. So even today, 100 years after, you're not going to find a whole lot of Christians that are going to be well-read in literature, well-read in, you know, or, you know, uh, in the, the latest novel or the fiction. They're going to know a lot of their commentary. They're going to know a lot of their, you know, Christian books, but they're not going to necessarily know who maybe Toni Morrison is or Tom Nisha Coates mm. and uh, mm. you know, all these other people. And I actually think that segues into maybe some of our frustration right now, because, um, you know, right now what's going on with uh, woke culture and uh, critical race theory, a lot of these big terms that we've, you know, we brought on our own podcast uh, when it comes to this sense of um, feeling like you have to own up to your white privilege uh, I think if, if Christians had actually been well read, we would have caught this way back in the 1960s when they were struggling with this in the 60s and 70s. And we probably would have as a church, you know, been able to have had these conversations way back then, at least when um, intersectionality and Kimberly Crenshaw was coming up with her stuff in the late, eight, late, late 1980s. So I guess mm -hmm. I say all that because even right now we're having dialogues of, um, of basically this, uh, contextualization that doesn't necessarily bode well or mix well with Christianity. And the main reason for that is because I think Christians get caught up um, with things because we're not well read. And I would, I would argue, I would argue that that's been that way since Christians have been playing the retreatist game. Hmm. You know, and um, anyway, so. I, yeah. I you know, like maybe yeah. a precursor to what culture was the Christian boycott everything culture. Right. I mean, we, yeah. we've sort of brought this on ourselves as a, as well, a nation. And we have this fallacy of binaries now and that's, what's kind of, right. and I, you know, and I, I'm just as guilty of it. Um, I think our, our brains immediately go to binary terms and black and white, good and bad, evil and good. And there's an element of that that's scriptural. Sure. But you know, I just preached on Ecclesiastes chapter seven and nine. There's a lot mm. of gray in scripture too, you know, I mean, the book of Job. And so you could be a faithful believing Christian and be a fundamental, you know, a, a faithful believing, inerrant believing Christian, and yet still say there is chance and there's mystery and I don't know what the future holds. And it's unwise for me to say that, um, yesterday was better somehow than today because um it's it's by i don't i'm not speaking wisdom when i say such things as the book of ecclesiastes says death happens mm -hmm. to all and that seems like an evil so there's a lot of this stuff in scripture that's really beautiful that should be invited in some of these discussions i don't want to segue i don't want to go too far on a tangent here but i i do think you no, know that's fine one thing that that has woken me up to the woke, <laughs> if I could, you know, use some puns here, is by reading a lot of um, people like Coleman Hughes, John McWhorter, mm. Steven Pinker, and sadly, people who aren't even of the faith um, have woken me up to some of the new neo religion, and that's 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 uh. Anyway, so how does this relate to your whole mask debate? I mean, I think it's I, I actually see a, a relationship in the sense that we're uncomfortable with something that's not necessarily cloaked in this, you know, Christianese, I guess. So therefore, you should go inside and because you should obey Jesus more than the governor. So it's black and white kind of terms. And, and when you get when you push back and you start to question, well, I don't know if I really buy into that because this is applying to all indoor seating. It's not just my own church. You're 
right. you know, there's already kind of a, well, is Brad Bean is faithful? And <laughs> so, yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it, it is, it's frustrating. And in that hmm. there's not, you know, I think the biggest um, complaint I have is that, is that really people have just latched on to the, to those who, those pastors who are acting the way they really want to act, which is in, in total rebellion. You know, if, if those governor, if, if those mm. pastors, if, if my pastor could act like that, then they'd really be, you know, leading the way right now, instead of the more nuanced approach of saying, look, there's, there's some reason to listen and honor. And then there's some room to potentially go against the orders when those are appropriate. And I, I mean, it, it, it's not a black and white issue. Just like you said, it's, it is a gray area. There's no, I don't see any violation of scripture to go outside. I don't see any violation of scripture to put on a mask. And, uh, and yet if the reasons he's doing mm. that were just to target the church, just to make it uncomfortable and inconvenient for us, well, well then that would be, a, yeah, that would be a top yeah. form of persecution, right. but that's not what's happening. So Anyways, I, I don't want to. Well, and also, yeah. And, and, and also, even the Daily Wire just wrote an article who's been very mm -hmm. suspicious of masks and saying that, sure. yeah, masks really do work. And, you know, we're, oh, are you we're, serious? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even they wrote an article explaining all the science recently that says, absolutely, yeah. these really do work and you need to wear them. <laughs> yeah. So that's Ben Shapiro well, and the Daily Wire. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. I think people are starting to kind of catch up, and including myself. I was kind of suspicious in the beginning. It's like, you know, but anyway. So, well, I just yeah. think if, if it's, if it's spread through the air, like aerosols, you know, if that's what's carrying the virus and spreading it, well, then a mask is pretty ineffective because the micron size of yeah. the virus is so much smaller than most mass, right, would allow. And so it'll just go right through. It might disperse it a little bit differently, unevenly than it would, than if you had a, you know, no mask on, but right. it's still getting out. If it is spreading through droplets, well, then the mask catches almost everything. I mean, if it's a, if the virus yeah. is attached to a droplet, it's going to stick in, in your mask. And, and that's a, that's a I good mean, thing. I do think people also forget. I mean, I was just watching a video of Fauci in May 4th saying, don't worry, yeah. about this is pointless. Right. That's May 4th. So people were told totally different contrary things. And that, and, and that's the, and that, know, doesn't the that doesn't help at all. No, yeah. not at all. It, they have brought this confusion mm. and this distrust definitely on themselves. I don't, you know, they say the reasoning was because they didn't have enough masks and they were afraid people would uh, start buying out all the supply, the, the short supply we had. Yeah. Um, but they could have, if if that were the case, they should have been encouraging us to make masks from the start. Instead, mm. they, they said, no, don't worry about it. I mean, they've, they've done that before, right? And, and in previous pandemics, you see people wearing masks like yeah. in uniform, right? It's not uncommon to have right. masks. We we created this this tension. Well, and also, I would encourage our listeners to listen to a, to read a really good book called "And I've, I've, uh, Not Born Yesterday," which I've recommended to you mm -hmm. as well, um, which shows that people are not gullible. People already have their belief systems. So, I mean, I yeah. think the problem is, and the reason why I bring that up is because the problem is that we already have cognitive mechanisms in our brain. That's why we're not gullible. We actually already are kind of working things out. We're, we're a lot more logical than people realize. So when we do hear inconsistency, like Fauci first saying one thing and then going on another, um, 
we stop trusting that force. I, um, you know, one of the things the book makes an observation about, um, I was blown away by this three-year-olds won't trust their parents. If they felt like, feel like dad or mom or is inconsistent with their rules, they'll actually rebel more. So a two, I'm sorry, I think it's actually two, a two-year-old, um, or maybe it's even 18 months. <laughs> I keep changing, but it's one of those. It's very, very young that a child really, really young wow. can actually tell when a parent is contradicting themselves. So it's ingrained in human nature to really distrust contradiction. And so that's why he makes the very solid argument that people are not gullible. People already have a pretty solid set of beliefs. So conspiracy theories, all this other stuff, fake news, at the end of the day, it doesn't really work because if it does, quote, work, it's because you've gotten to the point where you are so set in your way that even if the argument is extremely shallow, you're you're um, you're going to you're going to believe it anyway. And even if the argument over here is extremely strong, you're going to resist it anyway. If you've already hmm. kind of come to that pre-existing um, belief system, and so so I, I guess why I bring this up because I think it's like we had we did hear a lot of stuff from the WHO and the CDC right. that was telling us totally different stuff. And now we're being told, oh, by the way, this is wrong. And I think that's where people are set. That's why they don't trust. They're like, wait a second, you lied to me once. Now you lied to me again. And I wait, no. And I think that, that element I could understand, but the mm -hmm. problem is it's like, and that's, that's a struggle. Cause like, where's the conspiracy theory is now. So is it they, that they, they're now believing a conspiracy theory when the same people that right. are in authority, yeah, they were believing in the beginning, and now that they contradicted themselves, and they say, uh, "I don't know if I trust a person that contradicts themselves." Does that make that person gullible? And, it's all part of the plan, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I mean, maybe we all need to kind of change our language a little bit because I mean, even the word conspiracy theory is really kind of problematic with that because Christians have been accused of buying into conspiracy theories right now if they're mask suspicious. When four months ago, they were totally in line with who and CDC. So when did the right. conspiracy theory? Anyway, yeah, we could we could talk about that. Uh, it is. It's, it's <laughs> fascinating. I read early on a report, a pretty lengthy study on mass. And hmm. um, and I and I was impressed by by the research that, that he had done. And and so I was saying, look, it, at the very least, they do. They help more than they harm. So yeah. why not? Well, because like a Pascal, it's like a Pascal's wager, you know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I think there's a God, but I don't know. What are you gonna lose? What are you gonna lose? <laughs> right? Yeah. I might as well live my life, you know, acting like I'm, because you know, burning in hell is a lot worse than realizing there's nothing right. there. You know. I mean, that's it for exactly. well, exactly. And the <laughs> and the cost of anti-mask, sure. you know, it it may be that you can't enter into facilities or or you're gonna compromise. Or you, yeah. even maybe worse, is you go into a situation where you could be wearing a mask, you should be wearing a mask, you don't, and you happen to have asymptomatic, you know, right. you happen to have the virus and you spread it. So it just seems to me it's a very low cost way yeah. to to live. And also at the same time, you can honor the governor in doing so. It just yeah. doesn't, it's a win-win. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. It's kind of a, kind of a, Loseish win. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's inconvenient, right? right we right. can we can all admit that, but no one no one is saying 
we love wearing masks. It's so fun. You right, can have, right. you know, it's, it's great, you know, yeah. but, but they're willing to, to do it. Now I do think on the other side, there's people who are so extreme that they, mm-hmm. they're violent about it. Like I've seen several videos of people getting in fights outside of restaurants and outside of stores or even inside stores. Like you, someone walks in without a mask and they, and they just haul off and slug them. It's Somebody really was wearing a mask or was not wearing a mask. The person who was wearing a mask gets violent with the person who's not wearing a mask oh. saying that they're going to kill everyone or saying, I hope you all die stuff like that because you're, you're not taking this seriously. So I hope you and your kids mm. die. It's just, it's like, yeah, wow. maybe we've gone a little bit extreme. Yeah. If you come to that point. I wonder if any of those cases where he got so close and then he got the coronavirus and then he killed all of his kids. So that would be, that'd be really ironic and sad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, Um, and the thing that's the people that are taking it so seriously and staying home are getting it as well. Right. So how are they doing that? I think there's a danger in, in simply even going to the store and wearing a mask and you're, you're still, there's still a chance that you're bringing it home, even though you're only, you're following all the guidelines properly. Right. So this is just about slowing the spread. It's not about eliminating all danger and all risk. That's also part of the challenge yeah. here is, is we, we've we've succumbed to this fear of a, of a virus that that the threat of dying from is, you know, is quite low for most people. Like it's it's the same as if you got the flu. Now, I'm not saying it's yeah. flu. But yeah. it is the, like the risk for if you're under 65 is in the same category as far as the damage it's going to do. Hmm. Um, but you wonder, you know, I just kind of listening to you about, I mean, because I would, I would like to segue and talk about some other stuff too, like woke and, um, let's do it. But I think they're related in some way uh, in this, like, disease. Jonathan Haidt, my favorite social psychologist, he became a lot more compassionate toward conservatives. He was a hardcore liberal. And then he did some work in India and he okay. realized that the difference between a conservative and a, and a democ or yeah, conservative and a liberal is much more genetic, has more to do with personality and people who are conservative tend to have the theme of, um, I guess, tradition and impurity, uh, or like disgust, you know, when it comes to something that's impure. And he was just saying, he made a really good point that when you have that trait, you know, you kind of need it because if you don't have it, you can kill your whole tribe. You know, hmm. so if you look at the Native Americans um, way early when the first settlers came here, or probably a better example would be some South Americans in the, um, you know, uh, in the Inca, the Inca tribe. And when they first met the Spanish, they just kind of invited them in and, um, they let them eat all their food. And uh, the, the story is, is that the reason why the, all the Incas who actually were pretty significant, pretty serious warriors, the reason why they lost is because they had, they were so inviting to the Spanish that they picked up all their diseases and like 90% of them were dead by the next winter. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's an element that I think is in human nature that says, I it's okay and good that I don't let you all in. So I guess I, I bring that in because it's, it is interesting to me that you have a pandemic and you also have this new, what I would call woke religion with George Floyd that is putting things into 
categories of um, clean, unclean, um, uh, you know, are you on our side? Are you not on our side? Uh, if you're not, you're kind of the one that needs to be out, you know, out of our, out of our group. Um, we need to, you know, the, uh, America is a racist past, um, mm. defund all of the police officers because they stem from a past that is ingrained in racism. Um, Flanny O'Connor, I just found out that she's now being canceled. Um, Susan B. Anthony is now being canceled because of her views on abortion. Yeah. She's New York Times just wrote an article going against Susan B. Anthony because Trump, quote, pardoned her for a $100 fine. And so the New York Times is accusing her of um, being, quote, against black people because she wasn't supportive of abortive t- policies, which, oh, wow. which is really, you know, um, backwards. really backwards because actually the found Margaret Sanger, the Margaret founder Sanger. of abor- abortion, yeah. actually initiated abortion so she can kill black babies. So yeah, it's did. just outright slanderous, you know, that, I mean, they're taking kind of a modern view of abortion, whatever, what do you, you know. It, the oh, reason yeah. why she was against she was the reason why she was against abortion and black children because they were killing the black children and they were wanting euthanasia. So anyway, you just have these. I wonder. I mean, what? And you're you're a pastor, so I mean, you you understand this. You understand our need to. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we well, should talk it, about that. Interesting. So I yeah. I just was preaching um, through. I'm preaching through the Ten Commandments, and it seems like every right. everyone is perfectly relevant to the uh our current situation but yeah i mean the sixth commandment thou shalt not murder and and it and it does give some very clear Mm. (laughs) i mean there's there's aspects of uh or there's examples of murder in our modern culture that are praised you know um abortion euthanasia uh um you know, there's, hatred, there's hatred in your heart, as Jesus said, I, like the, yeah. the, mm. well, yeah, I mean, yeah. So I'm just talking about the physical examples oh, the physical, of yeah, murder, sure, yeah. right. That are, yeah. that are approved. And yeah, I mean, definitely yeah. the two Sorry, yeah. primary yeah, Jesus, ones would be a Jesus was wrong about that part. So I'm, I'm picking on you, Brad. No, no, no. Just <laughs> no, the hatred, <laughs> hatred. <laughs> came, I just appreciate totally. that this last time. Right. I actually yeah. so I did it in two parts, and one week was on was on physical murder. The next week was on psychological, you know, so oh. the mental aspect nice. of murder, and that. uh, that's where I focused on on hatred oh. and um, right. anger and rage and all those other aspects that that lead, you know, all those emotions that we have that lead to murder um, mm. or at least murder in the heart. So those are things we should be convicted of, and I think part of this. Polar polarization, mm-hmm. you know, feeds that within the church as well. But just uh, like back to your point, the idea that um, hmm. you know, abortion and euthanasia, even in the church, are quite commonly defended, you yeah. know, or at least explained in such a way that you would say, "Well, not me personally, but I think it should be the right." Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Other no, should have the right to sure. murder, or it's ignored. I mean, Jamar Tisby did not. He did not mention abortion once in his whole book. Um, a lot of the people that are now That's considered, um, you know, what we would consider our Christian friends or whatnot, who want to see a lot of racism, de- de- you know, decrease. Uh, none of them are 
uh, or very few of them ever mention abortion. In fact, one woman even got upset with white evangelicals at Wheaton College for mentioning abortion too much. So it is, it, it is, um, it is, you're, you are seeing a different type of evangelicalism today than you did in the 1990s. And when we were, you know, when we went to seminary, um, where that was kind of like the number, I guess the number one issue. And um, I think, I would, I'm one of those Christians, I'm okay to say this, and I've told this to friends, a lot of friend, my friends know this about me. I am, I am a one-party person. Um, mm. You know, I, I, at the end of the day, in good conscience, cannot vote for a candidate um, that supports, um, like, especially the third-term abortion or abortion. Oh, and, you're a yeah. one issue. One issue. I am, at yeah, the end yeah. of the day. Like, um, even if this person, and that's kind of where, you know, I, I, I would, I don't mind saying this, I mean, that's kind of where I am with Trump. You know, um, mm -hmm. that's where I was with Trump and Hillary when I was I was actually going to vote for Hillary. And then oh, I wow. heard and then in 2016, I don't know if you remember this, it was the third debate. And um, she had mentioned that she supports third trimester abortion. I looked over at my wife. My wife looked at me and our jars dropped and we both voted actually Gary Johnson. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> but that changed me. That changed me right mm -hmm. there. Um, I'm not. You know, I mean, I've kind of, yeah. I'm different now. You know, I'm, I'm more conservative than I was in 2016. But I mean, I, that's a good example of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. so I, I went in not trusting Trump at all. I thought for sure he had already flipped on, you know, flip flopped on several issues. So I just thought he's a, he's, first of all, I didn't think he had a shot. I thought for sure Hillary was going to win. And, and then I thought, um, if I'm going to, hmm. in California, I'll be honest. It, it's a bit of a throwaway vote, anyways. There's well, no shot. Yeah, Massachusetts. <laughs> it used to not so, be that way in California, like not even 15 years ago. So 20 years ago. So anyway, but generally, yeah. you still want to vote, you know, sure. for the one who has the greatest shot at winning. And at least in my opinion, it, it's I don't want to just throw away the vote altogether. Um, but I did in this case because I just couldn't bring myself to vote for for Trump. I, you know, my plan is to vote for him this time, ju just because. He has proven that he didn't flip flop in the the last four years. He he's held his ground, even though there's not a lot he could accomplish mm. on, on the issue of abortion. Um, his his positions haven't changed, and he has also proven that he stuck to his list of judges that he was looking at Supreme Court, mm -hmm. you know, candidates. And that was that was a significant part two, because I was like, oh, he can present this list, but is he going to stick to it? And he yeah. has. So I'm, I'm impressed um, with that. And, and I, I mean, I obviously think it would be wonderful to have a president who could speak like Ronald Reagan, um, you know, but <laughs> I, I do think that, um, that there's just no doubt in my mind that Trump will be better for the nation than Biden. Well, actually, it'll be Kamala Harris. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Biden much. won't survive. Well, yeah. So, I mean, going back on the whole, like, yeah, do you see the connections though between the clean and the unclean? And yeah, we should because I wrote a pretty yeah. provocative piece and uh, got a lot of pushback um, from people that are very close to me and got it got some praise too. Um, yeah. Well, well why don't you that. give a summary of that if, if you don't mind? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, um, I don't even mind. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's I, not, it's not very long, right? Could you just, read no, it? no. Yeah. And I could just, I could just read it. And, uh, because I mean, it's on, 
it's on my blog and I wrote it really to uh, kind of uh, address the far left uh, really. And, um, and it's, it's just kind of amazing to me that, um, well, I could see why I had some pushback, I guess I could say that, but uh, I did. Um, well, your pushback came from the far left, right? From yeah. maybe not the far left, people who are sympathetic to the far left. Right. Well, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind reading it. I mean, I, I, it's it's a call to stand why I believe the United States may have less than 20 years. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it sounds, you know, I, I, I agree. Maybe there's there's some paranoia here. And maybe I'm maybe maybe because I am a little scared. So but I'll go ahead and read it, though, because I stand by what I said. Um, and I just said, if things don't change, I give the United States no less than 20 years until it is dismantled or destroyed. Uh, the United States will be lo no longer a country in 2040, but a disparate of several states, towns, and policies with their own sovereignty. Uh, the far left will initiate anti-capitalistic laws that will stifle competition, silence free speech, hijack law enforcement, eliminate gun ownership, limit church and limit churches to those who preach a pro-leftist agenda that's in agreement to communistic ideals. They also criminalize conservatives and traditionalists by fining or imprisoning people who adopt a binary view of human sexuality. I will, it will enforce these idea agendas as they already are doing on all universities, education systems, organizations, and those who do not will be eliminated and fined. Uh, this will then spark a reaction from people who are moderately liberal, center, or conservative. Rather than dialoguing with these groups, tomorrow's far left will falsely accuse this group as alt-right. Mm. There will then be there will then be an online political demand to fence communities from one another, those who are pure versus those who are impure. This sounds mm. dystopian and depressing. Am I being radical saying this? Maybe, but maybe not. Why do I believe this? I, I believe this radical future because the far left cannot compromise on any conservative nor moderate values because these, quote, traditional values are antithetical to their belief that in order to eliminate all impurity, these archaic views must be expunged because it goes against their vision of equality. As stated in many of their writings, they believe tradition stems from a racist past that is inherently evil. Uh, see 1619 Project, for example, New York Times, D'Angelo's book, um, White Fragility. And as a religious cult, compromise is impossible. Their fight for justice will enable them to cause civil unrest and ruin people's lives for the sake of the underclass. This religious zeal will enable them to demand that people be placed in categories, either submit to their agenda or be criminalized for their disobedience. Given they will want to defund all law enforcement, their fines will not be paid, but to stop this inevitable reaction, they will decriminalize many convicts by blaming it on a systemic racism um, in a white justice system and initiate a new police force similar to Seattle's Chaz earlier this year. Mm -hmm. These new officers will then populate jails of people who are deemed untouchable, people who do not adapt regardless of race, sexual orientation, or creed. People who protect or speak in favor of these untouchables will be chastised by social media, lose their employment, and fined as well. Churches will have to preach a social justice message that emphasizes that people are irredeemably divided by race, sex, sexual preference, and various grievance groups. Any church that calls for people to repent or that, quote, all need salvation will be forced to close down. And these new laws will leave many in the United States with two questions. You either live in fear or you fight back. Sadly, I believe this will be the U.S. in less than 20 years, but we don't need to fight with violence. However, we are foolish if we think we can passively ignore what's going to occur from the far left. Therefore, we must stand up to them. 
which is what we're doing right now. Uh, we do it through writing, voicing our voicing why our freedoms of worship, speech, and liberty are essential mm -hmm. entities that unite us as citizens, and not adopting that um, our world is built in binary terms. Am I being binary in this blog post? Um, maybe, but as a conservative, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, maybe, yeah, sure. But where I explain, I don't think I am ultimately. Uh, as a conservative moderate, I want my liberal, conservative, old school Democrat, libertarian, and non caring citizen to sharpen me. What I don't mm -hmm. want is for anyone to place me in an ideological camp of pure versus impure, clean versus unclean outside my own church. In other words, I want a separation of church and state. And I do not want to join a religious community that is the far left is creating because I cannot believe nor adopt their ideological claims. Therefore, I have I am deemed a leper in their eyes and as an enemy, they want to silence. And if you doubt, dear friend, they want to silence you as well. So if there is a binary I'm creating here, it's between a group that wants to silence and a group that wants to dialogue. In that sense, we can't have both. Therefore, we must voice our concerns and stand up to a new left that wants all people to repent or be expunged. The new left does not want to compromise. Like the Joker and Batman, the Dark Knight, they just want to see the world burn. If we do not stand now, the Orwellian dystopia described above will occur. I hope I'm wrong. I'm afraid I'm not. So uh, that I had, uh, you know, uh, I don't mind saying this, but, you know, uh, yeah, friends that have um, disowned me for saying that. Um, uh, one, one friend, because I mentioned the word, you know, um, alt-right thought I was supporting neo-Nazi claims. Um, so just totally, you know, and I, I read it, read it, read it even. And I'm like, did I, that, that's why I called you last night. And I'm like, yeah. is that what I said? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. You compared them. And because you compared them, the assumption was that you were a neo -Nazi putting yourself in that category. Yeah. That's yeah. That's not a very good argument. Reading. Yeah. No, <laughs> reading of your paper, but, so or your essay. I, I thought it was excellent, honestly, and I got good feedback. I, I shared it on Facebook, and you know, just I didn't get anyone going crazy about it. Right, but um, I don't, I don't think that's unreason an unreasonable expectation. Mm -hmm. I think it is provocative. Twenty years it would be pretty fast, but at the same time. A lot has changed in, in four months. I right, twenty years might be too long. I actually think <laughs> I was being too long. <laughs> I was I thinking mean, maybe eight. You know, so you're right. like you're right. Being kind of liberal. Um, well, it's basically the at what point do mm -hmm. these kids in college now begin becoming CEOs? And, you know, like, how quickly are they going to take over the world? Because that culture has already entered into society mm -hmm. for the last few decades right um and i think like so the campus is just void of any sort of dialogue healthy dialogue unless unless you go to a, a very small college or school that's that's geared toward that most ca college campuses are just yeah they're all saying the same thing they're all they're all spinning people out and either you're going to to not listen and get through your, you know, get your education, um, or you're going to be kind of part of that polarizing culture, you know, yeah. where you're he's fighting. Well, and Jordan Peterson makes this point too so excellently. Like we are, and the reason why I wrote it is because you and I are really good at. If I were to ask you, Brad, what is the far right? I mean, what would you say? 
what is the far right? Yeah. When you go too far uh, right, what do you do? How do you know you're too far right? <laughs> well, you, I mean, I think it's really I, easy. I, okay. Well, you might need to help me. But yeah. I, 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 I mean, don't, I'm not yeah. sure exactly where you're going. I don't know what Jordan Peterson said, uh, but yeah, my, my yeah. assumption would be that the far right would be those who actually are racist, those who are promoting values that are extremely old, you know, that, that have, that are just outdated now. And they're, they're holding on to yeah. values um, that were never, were never healthy or biblical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say the far right, I mean, perfectly. I mean, I think it's really easy. The minute I put race in categories or Judaism in a different category, I'm a far right. That's it. It's pretty, it's pretty simple. Like I think that's why Nazism was, was quite easy to rebuke after World War II. But if I were to ask most people, most of my readers, how do you know you've gone too far left? And I had a really long debate with one of my friends. I was like, what do you mean by far left? What do you mean by far left? She, oh, wow. she, could, she could not understand that somebody can be too far left. And that's where bringing up Jordan Peterson, he makes this argument. It's a lot less, I should say, sexy. <laughs> it's it, not that the other mm -hmm. one is, but it's it's a lot it's it's a lot less um, salient, or it is more salient because you just don't know when you've when you've done it. And he would say when you've basically gone to equality of outcome instead of equality opportunity, which does not That's sound, good. which doesn't sound though, you know, comes from a place of compassion. You know, mm. so I guess I, I bring all this up. I don't want to be all over the place here a little bit, but that's where I think um, we're in a danger. We're in a very dangerous ground when we put people into these categories. When when our when um, our our heart or our drive is an element of compassion, and I see this as a clinician. How compassion, yeah. as much as it's a beautiful emotion. It's, it's also kind of like a mother bear that I could devour you. And I mean, I see this with, um, and like, yeah. So that's, that's one of the main reasons why I wrote it because it's like compassion can really blind us to get to the point where um, you, could, you could adopt a creed that is extremely violent when you try to enforce it toward other people. And that's why it was responsible for over 120 million lives because you were had governments of communism that were trying to enforce it on the on the citizens coming from a place that I have to do this because if I don't I won't bring equality in the picture and that's the one thing that I don't see with a lot of our youth and I'm terrified of it terrifies yeah. me that they can't see that there can be a far left and they are just keep going and they keep going and they keep going and I think that's the driving force of Antifa I think it's a driving force of a lot of these Christians that just want to go right in and just say, you know, silence is violence. Any type of, you know, um, uh, acceptance of any quote, like teeny tiny thing that sounds like a hint of racism, even though it's not racism, let's redefine it. Right. You know, anyway, I don't want to take up too much. Well, I mean, I would, I'd love to. Yeah. No, that, I mean, did you, have you watched that three part video series uh, on Evergreen State? University in Washington and Weinstein. Yeah. Is that right? Weinstein, Brett. Branning and um, his Brett wife. Wein Brent Weinstein. Yeah. yeah. Weinstein. Okay. Yeah. And, and yeah, mm -hmm. they, they just, it, it was insane. Yeah. Oh, it is. And, and I, I think, and he makes the argument that's what we're experiencing right now is Evergreen State throughout the whole entire country. Exactly. 
Yeah. And, and that's why I wrote it. It's like, if things don't change, we're going to have evergreen state, you know, all around us. And, um, and I don't want to sound all, I don't want to solve I came from a dispensational background where it's like every day was doomsday. And maybe there's a part yeah. of me that maybe it was tapping into that element of K, you know, just <laughs> anyway, consciously yeah. you're resorting to your old feelings. No, I think there is a, um, there's the truth for sure. That idea that, that, uh, our culture has basically become, I mean, we've, we've accepted that as the norm for society or the goal of society yeah. is, is this takeover. Hmm. Uh, and, and it is scary because they, that campus had zero control over the situation. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, people were being attacked who, and, and the vast majority apparently of the campus was not in that group, mm. but they were just not speaking up. They were just sort of trying to stay out of it. And even they were getting attacked. It was like, if it, that was your point, you know, the whole silence is violence thing. And that all the professors, if they said anything, like in, in one case, uh, in that video, mm. they, they, um, they're chanting and, and, talking down about these two professors. And then one of them says, well, can I at least apologize? And they said, no. And they started shouting, you can either go inside or go home. You can't stay and listen. It was like, you, you have to just listen or you have to just do what we say right now. And we don't want to hear anything. And so he couldn't even, he couldn't even apologize, which would have surely been a horrible virtue signaling in, in the moment. Um, mm -hmm. But that, it was like they they had gone so far that they didn't even want to listen um, to any feedback, which is not a dialogue. And that's that's what your what your article's getting at is we've gotten to the place where we've made up our minds and you're either with us or against us. And if you're against us, you're gonna you're gonna have some consequences to pay. You're gonna get canceled, you're gonna have some threats and you yeah. experience some loss of friendship. Which right. is exactly, you know, your experience after writing the article is exactly proving the point that you were yeah. making, which is. Which is why I wrote it, you know, because we're, we're to the point where you just can't compromise with another view. I mean, you know, I, I, I do find it amazing. I was talking to Bethany about this, that this isn't tooting my own horn. So I mean, I, I'm trying to be as careful as I can here. Um, there is something about moderates or conservatives and even like moderate left where we all, the one thing we have in common is, gosh, I've got friends that are so far on the left, but at the end of the day, I don't care. Like, mm. and I've got friends who are, I actually have a harder time with my friends that are way, way too far on the right. I actually don't like to be friends with them because I think that really bothers me. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, because, you know, so, I mean, if I tried to befriend them, I guess, but that is kind of amazing to me, but it's not, it's not reciprocated in the sense that um, you can't, you can't have dialogues with people if they honestly think of you as impure. And there's a really wonderful Quillette piece that says that that's how the alt-right and the woke are so much in common mm. is in the sense that, you know, you, you and I were talking about that briefly last night, that the one thing they have in common is that the other side needs to be expunged, you yeah. know, and, um, even, and the, the middle, whether it's left or right, middle, left or right, they believe that the expunging doesn't need to occur, um, but there's a huge fight for spe free speech, and um, and that's that there doesn't need to be a cancelization per se. 
So why that's like you... the old, old liberal position at this yeah. point, right? I want to be respectful of your time. I know it's already an hour. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could tell. I, it was, no, it was fun. Did you, what, did you have anything else on your mind to, to discuss about that? I, I definitely think we'll, we'll have time to, to do some, some more bantering and, and just yeah. taking the very This is banner tonight. Yeah. I'm already getting tired. You're getting tired. Let's I love, I would, I would love to, um, to get our website up at some point in the next few weeks. So we're, we're in the process of moving our church. So it's going to be a little bit of time before I have that, uh, where, where I can get, um, the time to put a website together. But once that's there, I'd love to be able to write articles like, like that, like you're doing and post mm-hmm. them on, on the website and, and do just what we did now discuss them together. So it's not tooting your own horn. It's, it's just continuing the dialogue, you know, bringing it into a, a yeah, right. podcast format. I like that. And I'm, I, yeah, I thought it was a, a great article and, and I look forward to, to continuing. Um, well, yeah. And I think if anything, I probably would like to post those types of things on that and keep my Facebook page, my Facebook page. Sure. And yeah. Just like yeah. baby pictures. And then like, <laughs> you know, and you know, bunny, bunny like videos. And there's an element of that I think I want to do because I mean, yeah, the people that have liked sound engagement are interested in what we have to say. And the people that right. came across that article were not interested in my political views whatsoever. It just kind of came on their lap. And they're like, what is this? And I don't even want people to read that unless they're actually interested. You know what I mean? I don't, not that I'm apologizing for anything. I don't, but it's like, I, you're not trying to lose friends. (laughs) No, no. And I want you to naturally have a sense of curiosity. I mean, it's kind of like the therapist part of me. I'm not going to give therapy to some person that doesn't want it. I just don't, you know, nor am I going to like talk to you about my political views if you want to hear them. Because I've got so many other things I, I could talk about. I could talk about yeah. books, as you can tell, and I could talk about movies and talk about Xbox and I could talk about, you know, kids and I could talk about Legos and, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's not what defines me. And I think that's what I was kind of getting at with the difference between us and the radical left and not just to pick on them, but it's, it's what defines them, you know, and yeah. it's not, yeah. you know, we want to read scripture. We want to, talk about God's good creation. We talk about masks and want to go on walks and enjoy God's nature. There's just so many, there's so many things that we have anyway. Yeah. Yeah. This is <laughs> no. a good talk. Yeah. This is good. It's good. Well, I will, I think what I'm going to do, this will be a, a one that I'll just, I'll post pretty quickly and then I will get to the interview with Carmen and I'll okay. try to get that posted um, after yeah. this one so next week. And that'll be a fun episode as well but um this one won't i'm not going to edit a whole lot of it and and yeah, then we'll have fun so maybe we'll just close this out then had had yeah. a yeah. good enjoyable conversation but let people know um you can find us on apple or any of your podcasting resources yeah. on any model page of that brad is quite attractive so you yeah, can peter see anderson has his <laughs> crossfit um, page right. where my wife, see, I'm glad you said that because my wife hates That's it when I bring up CrossFit. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> Brett, Bethany, did you hear that? Brad brought it up, not me. Keep that. Did you, that your, yes. you got your wad in today, right? I your, did. Your I did. Yeah, I got my curls and I uh, got to do it, man. I sit on my butt all day. If I don't do it, I get sad. I do uh, Freeletics. Have you heard of Freeletics? 
Yeah, but that's like CrossFit light. So you're way below me. Very much CrossFit light. <laughs> Yeah, you all could find us on there. Find us on Facebook. I'm taking a break from Facebook for about a week. I need to breathe, and then, but you you can still find me here. Just, just oh. yeah, I'm not I'm not going anywhere. Yep. So sound engagement. We're on Facebook. Uh, we share occasionally. I was saying we were updating it regularly, but it's been a little less frequent. Um, yeah. We will have a website that will be um, available soon. Um, so search for us there, find us on your podcast. If you haven't rated us, please do. It helps to get the word out. Yeah. And we get rich. We get lots of money when you do. Cause you want to, even if you want to call us names and just, you know, rant about us that any kind of advertising is good. Good. You know, it's helpful. Good or bad. Yeah. We're poor. <laughs> please help the poor. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks. Thanks fun. guys. All right. All right. Have a night. Ah.